0: I'm really, really happy, before we get started, I'm really, really happy to be here. I grew up in Montreal. Uh, the relationships between Montreal and Ottawa and all of Eastern Canada have, are as strong now as they have been then. Uh, lovely, lovely fathers, from our fathers, the Hagelmanes, right down to the most newly ordained fathers. Are, they're so, so sweet. They're all so dear to, to my heart, and I'm so really, really excited to be here with you. Um, Uh, father anthony can tell you that he didn't have to ask twice uh when he asked my agent whether (laughs) you can ask him what that's all about too uh and uh, you're at liberty to say abuna um When they ask me to come and join you, it's just such a privilege to be here with you. I love you all very much, and I'm really excited to get to know every single one of you. I hope I can learn every single one of your names uh, in in the span of time that I'm here with you. So let's get started. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Our title, which was given to me, is He Only is Holy, We Partake of What He Is. Um, I'm going to be very frank with you. A lot of my own personal thoughts and my own personal life of holiness is deeply influenced by my spiritual father of blessed memory, uh, Bunar Senius, and Mother Teresa. Um, And uh, I've learned so, so much from both of them. Um, um, And so there's going to be a lot of thoughts from Mother Teresa in this in this uh, in this talk, and I hope and I hope you're okay with that. Mother Teresa was. Uh, I have the video clip of this. and If anybody wants to watch it, but I didn't like. I don't trust audiovisual setups, and so I figured I'd just tell you the story. Um, but we can watch the video on my laptop sometime if anybody wants to. Uh, this interviewer comes up to her and asks her. Um, you know, he's like you know this journalist wants to ask her like a difficult question, right? So he asks her. So. Some people say that you're a saint, what would you say? And she answers him with probably the most useful quote I could think of for, that I could think of for this entire conference, which is, holiness is not a luxury for the few. It is not just for some people. It is meant for you and for me and for all of us. It is a simple duty because if we learn to love, we learn to be holy. Glory be to God forever and ever, men. Let's go play soccer. (laughs) Right? There you go. Holiness is not a luxury for the few, but it is a simple duty for every single one of us, you and me. And if we learn to love others, we have learned to be holy so we'll spend the next little bit of time unpacking unpacking all of this our theme verse and i'm going to keep coming back to it for the entire conference is but as he who has called you is holy you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written be holy for i am holy and this is a quote from leviticus and i don't have my notes in front of me but it comes up about four times in leviticus be holy for I am holy. And so if we're going to talk a little bit more about this, we're going to need to understand what the word holy means. Well, any, can anybody tell me the Greek word for holy? Not a trick question. I'm sure, you, I'm sure everybody knows what I'm saying. What's the word that we use in, lit, in liturgy for holy? Agios. Agios, right? What does the word agios mean? Well, similar to um, a lot of other words, when they start with A, they mean the opposite of that. They mean the, uh, the, the subtraction of that, you know? Uh, Abuna Joseph is an expert in classics. Abuna, can you, uh, nothing's coming to my mind. Can you give us a couple of other A words? Atypical. Atypical is not the typical thing, right? Abnormal, Abnormal is not normal, a social someone who does not have social connections. Very different from antisocial, someone who likes to go opposite to society. Atheist, right? Someone who is not a theist, right? Very good. So, what do you think? Not a trick question. You know the answer to this. You just never thought about it. What does the word agios actually mean? It is a What's, what, do you think, what do you think geos is gonna mean? World, earthly, geo, geography, right, geology, right? Uh, a geo, a world, like out of this world, extraterrestrial, right? So basically God is an alien. <laughs> and he's inviting you to come be an alien with him as well. Right? I have the most horrendous, sorry, Abuna Krolos, uh, stories trying to cross the border to go into the US. I will spare you some of them now, but if you want some laughs between the talks, I have seen it all. I've been frisked, I've been, I, they asked me to sing the national anthem, okay? <laughs> I've got some stories for you. And I've been, I've been told, you enter the U.S. by privilege because you are an alien, right? And I think they meant it in an inflammatory way. But when I thought about it for thirty seconds, I realized, indeed. And I thank God I am an alien to that country. Sorry, Abuna. Sorry. Sorry. It's all down here from now. <laughs> right. So the question of holiness is really a question of what is alien to you, and what would be the opposite of alien? Native? Sure, I'm not like big on semantics. Like I'm not, I'm not like call it what you want to call it. You can call it what you want to call. It. I'll call it, what want to call it. But we just have to agree on the the the, the meaning. Okay. We have, so what is foreign to you? And what is native to you? Ask yourself. And God is holy. God is agios. God is an extraterrestrial. God created this world, but man is he out of this world. What are you? Are you of this world or are you of his world? Like when someone points their finger at you and says you're an alien, yes, you are an alien to them, but you are native to you. So what are you? What's your alien and what's your native? And this verse is saying, God has called you. So somebody put up your hand. Anybody. Volunteer. What's your name, sir? Bula Bula can you come up on stage here for me Bula can you come up on stage here for me okay you've done everything I wanted you to do big hand of applause for Bula what just happened there I called Bula right Mm -hmm. you heard me call you yes (laughs) and then you came down here onto stage with me right (laughs) Sounds complicated, huh? Do we need to go through that one more time? Big hand of applause for Bola. You can grab your seat. (laughs) Bola was called from where he was. He heard. He obeyed. He ended up over here. That was native to him then. This became native to him now. God has called you So right from the start, God is holy, God is agios, God is alien, God is extraterrestrial, God is not of this world. He made it, he created it, it fell and went totally bonkers, and now it doesn't look anything like him. Maybe Abuna will speak to us about restoration of image and likeness, but it doesn't look anything like him. God has called you to get up from where you are and to join him. But the question for this entire weekend is, what is native to you and what is alien to you? Amos makes it very, Amos the prophet makes it very simple for us. He says, Can two walk together unless they agree? So, can two people say, Let's go somewhere together? Sure, let's go. But we don't agree on where we're going. Well, how's that going to work? Right? This is all the introduction. We're going to unpack this a lot further. And this is exactly what Abuna Anthony was talking about in his introduction, that in church, you you see, you experience, you hear about holiness, you get an opportunity to participate in holiness, and then you go back in the world, and you find that the world is a completely different place. Right? That's our initial premise. Our initial premise for this, our initial belief for this whole conference is that God is holy, that God is agios, that God is out of this world. Right? So when you go and you stand in the kingdom of God on earth in church, you find God. And then and when you walk out of it, All of a sudden. And so naturally you find two different opinions and you have to choose which one you're going to walk with because you can't walk in two different directions at the same time without doing the splits. Right. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Now, I have encouragement for you. This is something I'm also going to bring up about a thousand times. St. Didymus the Blind says, since God who called us to salvation by the gospel is holy. Those who obey his calling must also become holy in all their thoughts and behavior, especially since he who calls us to this also provides the necessary sanctification himself. This is going to come up again and again, and we're going to unpack this together. But for now, I really want you just to focus on that since God is holy, he's calling us to come and be holy Two, God's not sending you an invitation to get a visitor's visa. He's inviting you to permanent residency with him. And if you decide to hold a passport that belongs to heaven and your citizenship is in heaven, like St. Paul says, you necessarily will revoke your citizenship on earth. You also will become a Gios. So, What is holiness? We kind of talked about that, but I'm going to stop using the word holy because I like to use words that we all use in our common, the common language that we use, and I'm just going to call it set apart. It's apart from earth, right? And so, very simply, like, okay, put really simply, the chalice that we use, that you know, the thing that we fill the wine and the water in during the liturgy. Okay, what do we use that for? Liturgy. Okay, I don't take that home and have my breakfast orange juice in it on Monday morning, because it belongs to God. It has been set apart for God, right? And um, you know, it's it's like it's like a piece of the pie has been cut out and that has been set apart for God. So, for for all practical intents and purposes, I'm going to use the term "set apart" and the term "holy." interchangeably. Now, this is the problem. You're saying, yes, Abuna, I agree, sounds great, yeah, good, but like, God is eternal, right, Abuna? Like, yeah. So, um, there's this movie on tonight, uh, and I wanted to go see it with my friends at the theaters, uh, but you know got to be around tomorrow right so i can i can uh, i can i can do this tomorrow right this holiness thing sounds really cool you know you know exit to outer space be an alien for a day like it sounds fantastic but do i can it be procrastinating and all of us myself first and foremost you know i am an expert procrastinator and i'm in slowly in remission you know i'm slowly overcoming it. And this is basically how procrastination works, right? We just decide to chill, chill, chill until we freak out. And that's when we start to do something about it. Now, we have a bunch of limiting beliefs when it comes to our holiness. One, three, I'm going to just only discuss three of them. One of them is that it's optional, okay? It is not optional, in any way shape or form if you believe what god says about himself if you believe the word of god it is certainly not optional What does God want for my life? I don't know what God wants for your life. Does he want you to buy this car or that car? Does he want to go to this school, or that school? Does he want me to marry this person, or that person? I don't know what his specific will is for your life. But I know what his general will is for your life. His general will for your life is your sanctification. Your sanctification is your setting apart. Your being set apart. God wants you to be set apart white on black on the screen, black on white in your Bible, God wants you to be set apart. God wants you to be sanctified. There's no two ways about it. There's nothing ambiguous about it. That's what he wants. Another verse in 1 Peter is the one we're talking about and can can two walk together unless they agree. We already discussed that briefly and we'll come back to it again. Another thing is is that, well, you know, God's eternal. It can wait. God can wait. I can do this tomorrow, I can do this after tomorrow. There's liturgy. You know what, Abun, I discovered something. There's liturgy every Sunday. So if I don't go this week, if I'm lazy, if I'm tired, if I stayed out late on Saturday, I can go next week, right? Abuna is available for confession every day of the week. I discovered that Abuna's like highest priority in life is to hear people's confessions and receive them back into the church. So guess what? If it's not convenient for me today, I can call him up tomorrow and say I want to confess and he'll say, come on down. And if I want to just go show up at Vespers on any Saturday, I can. This is fantastic. I can put this off. No, I can't. Why? I'm going to tell you why. Because... One of my, our dear Reverend Fathers who is here is the one who taught me this. If God is om- omniscient, and if God knows everything, and if God has a will for your life, and if God has a will for every moment of your life, then God has a will for me right now. And if See, this is the way procrastination works. I don't have to do what I should be doing right now because I can do it later because I know that between six and seven tonight, I don't have much to do. I don't have much going on, so I don't feel like doing this now so I can do it later. That's basically the basic premises upon which we procrastinate, right? But you see, that's not true. What's not true about it is that there isn't, time later that has been unspoken for every moment of my life has been spoken for every moment of my life has there is an economy of God there is a will of God for which he wishes to be glorified and to, to enjoy for me to enjoy being glorified with him and so the fact that I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing from six to seven tonight and so I think I have free time later doesn't mean that it's free it just means that I don't know And so since I have some time later on, I don't need to do this now. I will do it later. But see, that assumes that there is time later to do it in. But if I don't do what I'm supposed to do now and I decide to do that later, what's going to happen to the stuff I was supposed to do later? Is that going to get pushed till another later also? So you see, I'm messing up. I'm messing up the whole story here. And it's all based on my idea that there's time which is not spoken for. There isn't, why? Because once I become holy, everything associated with me also becomes holy. And all my time is no longer my time. The beautiful, beautiful article about an orthodox perspective to time management by Albert Rossi. You can find it online it's like one page or a page and a half beautiful beautiful article but basically he says our greatest issue with organizing time and time management is that we actually still believe that it is my time and it is not if i indeed am a disciple of jesus if i indeed have denied myself taken up my cross and followed him if i have indeed promised my life to christ then my whole life belongs to christ that's every year of my life that's every 365 days of every year of my life that's every 24 hours of every 365 days of every day in my life that's every 60 seconds of every hour of every 24 hours of every 365 days of every year of my life down to the last second every last bit of it i have given it to Christ. So that 6 to 7 p.m. that's empty on my calendar and I don't need to do what I'm supposed to do now because I can do it later, that 6 to 7 p.m. don't belong to you. It belongs to Jesus because I gave my life to him so i'm not managing my time anymore and unforeseen things that pop up in my life don't mess up my day anymore and they don't screw up my schedule anymore because i don't have a day i don't have a schedule and i don't have time it just all belongs to god and what happens to be a surprise to you these unforeseen things that pop up and ruin your day weren't a surprise to him and they were part of the schedule but also part of the schedule was to do what I'm supposed to do right now which is to follow him and so every moment is holy and it can't be done later because what is supposed to be done now belongs to now was attributed the time that was attributed to it by God is now and the to- what was supposed to be done later has also a time scheduled for it so the time for holiness is now in the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I have helped you. St. Paul is telling us, I tell you now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Cannot be put off to tomorrow. It must be now. Another thing is, look, Abuna. You're on to this holiness stuff. The Reverend Father's on to this holiness stuff. His grace, Bishop Bulis, really holy man, all these monks and nuns in the desert and hermits in caves and all really holy people. But like, you know, you don't know who you're talking to here. I mean, like, uh, you know where I've been. You know what I've done. Right? You see, it's not about you. It's not, it's not about you. And we're going to come back to this towards the end in the application points. And Nehemiah says to the people around him and he's saying to you and he's saying to me, The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. And he's saying to those, to the opposition, to the criticism, to the demons that are suggesting to you not to engage, that are keep telling you to just stay where you are and to be satisfied with whatever degree of holiness you currently live in. Nehemiah is saying to them, but as for you, you have no share in the heavenly Jerusalem of my heart, the the throne room of the king in my heart. Or any claim or historic right to it. I belong to God. I am alien. I am a Dios. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. This is what God wants from you and from me. The second part of what St. Didymus the Blind was telling us is that, yes, we're called to holiness and all of our thoughts and our behavior. And God himself is the one who calls us and provides to us what is necessary for our holiness. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. God didn't send you on a building project with nothing. He gives you the plans. He gives you the materials. He gives you the manpower. He gives you the help. He he will give you everything that it takes. One of my most favored Uh, quotes by a missionary. He says very simply, God's work done God's way will never lack God's resources. God's work done God's way will never lack God's resources. A simpler way of saying what St. Didymus the Blind is saying, since he who calls us to holiness, to being set apart, also provides the necessary sanctification himself. And we're going to unpack that as we go. But... This is really important. Have you ever tried skiing before? Who, who, who here has ever been skiing before? Show of hands. So a certain number, of you at least half the auditorium, know what it's like when one of your skis goes one way and the other ski goes the other way, right? That hurts, right? And see, that's our problem. And that's what Father Anthony was talking about, that I come to church and I hear the hymns and I smell the incense and I participate and I, and and I'm brought to heaven and I say, this is, this is it. This is right. This is good for me. This is, I'm going to do this and I'm going to this and I'm going to that and then I go back out into the world and the current is pulling me the other and then in the end, I feel like I'm getting pulled in two opposite directions. There's an expression in English that we use saying, I am of two minds on that. So you're discussing an issue with me, and you're asking me my opinion, and I'm thinking about it, and I can tell you, well, I'm actually, I'm actually of two minds about that. What does that mean? That means that um, I see the merits in this and this and that opinion, but I also see the merits of this and this and that opinion, and I haven't kind of decided which way I'm going to go. I am of two minds. Now, you know what the problem of being two mi- of two minds is? This. Right? You can be of two minds about everything and anything in the world if you're not planning to go anywhere. If you're sitting in your car and you're thinking, hmm, should I drive east to go see my friends that are da-da-da or should I drive west to go, you know, for a walk in whatever whatever forest and you haven't decided if you're going to go east or you're going to go west, what are you actually doing in that moment? Not going anywhere. Right, And as long as I am of two minds, I'm going to either try to go both places and get torn in half or go nowhere. Neither option seems to be that good. So there's a third option. It's called make up your mind, right? Make up your mind choose something, and then run wholeheartedly in that direction. One of my favorite verses, I really want to make this into a t-shirt, you know, or maybe I'll get like special, uh, you know, a special blessing from the Pope to see if I can get it like silk silk screened onto the back of my cassock, you know, right? St. Paul says, blessed is the man who does not condemn himself and what he approves. In English, that would be happy is the person, who doesn't approve of something one moment and then condemn it in the next. You know what that's like? That's like me who says, you know what? I'm really hungry. I've had a really long week. I've been really good with my eating habits this week. So I'm gonna go for all you can eat sushi. And then I stuffed my face silly. And as I'm walking out, I'm like, man, I shouldn't have done that, right? You see, that's called a recipe for unhappiness. You know, you don't need to be a Christian to understand this or to believe this. You just have to have some common sense. You know, if you approved of all you can eat sushi on your way in, just do yourself a favor and approve of it on your way out. You know, you paid the money, you stuffed yourself silly, your stomach is hurting, you might as well enjoy it for what it lasts and hit the treadmill double as hard tomorrow. Or say, this isn't good for me, this is unhealthy, this isn't right for me, not judging nobody, but just this isn't right for me, I'm not going to do this. And every time you see the all-you-can-eat sushi place, tell yourself, hey, I made a decision and I'm happy with it. That's the recipe for happiness, is to agree with yourself. What's even a better recipe for happiness now is to agree with your maker because he knows what you were made for and you were made for holiness. Your two skis going two opposite directions is going to hurt or land you going nowhere. There's a third option, which is to jump on to God's bandwagon wholeheartedly and choose to be set apart with him. So how does this affect our daily lives? Well, we kind of talked a little bit about that, right? But I want to share something else with you that is just so critical. Okay, This is what breaks my heart. This is what breaks my heart is that St. Paul tells us in Hebrews that without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And I'll tell you why it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart because in the Psalms, Jesus is described as fairer than all the sons of men. It breaks my heart because in the Song of Solomon... It says he is more chosen than all of the captains of the 50s and the 100s and the 1000s. and the, Basically, he's the best of the best. It breaks my heart if I've been bugging you to come see a movie with me like for weeks and weeks and weeks and you finally agree and we finally go and we're getting to the best moment in the movie and you urgently need to get up and go to the washroom. It, it bothers me if you're going to miss the best part. Don't miss the best part. He is the best. And when Mary and Martha are having their little thing, and Martha goes to Jesus, he says, Mary has chosen the best part, and it shall not be taken away from her. This conference This day is a day for you and for me to put our foot down and choose the best part and choose and say, I want to see you, Lord. I want to see you. I want to experience you. I want to be touched by you. I want my mind to be conformed to your mind. Jesus, I want you. And, St. Paul is telling us, clear as mud, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. This is why this is a showstopper. This is why the train stops here. Okay? Whoever wants on is going to see the Lord. Whoever wants off will not. Look, it's really simple. I I personally believe, and there's enough substantiation from the from the, all the writings of various different peoples in the church that God really isn't into guilt, blame, and shame. I really think that guilt, blame, and shame are primarily, if not entirely, from the devil. So this isn't about guilt, blame, or shame, right? This is just this is just a mathematical thing. Two plus two equals four, right? There's a train going from, you know, Sherbrooke to Montreal. If you get on the train and you stay on the train, you end up in Montreal. If you choose not to get on the train, you stay in Sherbrooke. Like it's not, it, this isn't like a, a moral thing. You're not a good person or a bad person or, I'm not into that. It's just very simple. I'll give you an example. Back in the day, we used to move in, live in a house before the one we live in now that had a garage. And one summer, every, every, we would keep our, uh, our green bin, like our organics, right? We would, keep, we, we would keep that stuff locked in the green bin in the garage because the raccoons knew how to flip open the lid and have a field day with it, right? And then I would end up cleaning it up. So I would keep it in the garage. Now, the organics get stinky specifically in the summer because it's hot out and all of that, right? And um, Mary, my wife, would tell me, don't forget to take the green bin out. Now, why would she tell me, don't forget to take the green bin out? Because one week I forgot to take it out. What happened to our garage the week that I forgot to take it out? Yes, it has a lid. Yes, it's sealed, but man, does it get stinky right? And you just have to open it once to put something in there and the entire garage will smell of garbage for the rest of the summer. So if I take my garbage out, the garage doesn't get stinky. If I leave my garbage in my garage, my garage will be stinky. Kind of like the Bola thing. It's not rocket science. Right? It's not good. It's not bad. It's not moral. It's not, it's not, you're a good person. If you're a bad person, if you should feel guilty, don't do that. I blame you. I shame you. No, no, no. Look, either we join God in His holiness or we remain in this world like it's one or the other. And I don't want you and I don't want me to miss out On he who is fairer than all the sons of men. I don't want you and me to miss out on the best part. More encouragement those who look to him are radiant, their faces are never covered with shame. The children of Israel had but to look at the bronze serpent that Moses held up, and they were healed. It says, and whoever looked to it lived. But to look upon him is enough. Don't believe me? Moses goes up on the mountain and he comes back shining like a light bulb. Shining like the sun, actually. But anyways, so I misunderstood that that passage for the larger part of my life. I thought he came down and there was like a glow around him. But when you read it carefully, you find it. it says that his skin was shining. His skin changed. He himself, it's not something that was added to him. He himself was changed permanently. And in the synixarium of the Feast of St. Mary, the assumption of her body to heaven, it says to us that if God had found that Moses was so holy that he had Archangel Michael hide his body lest the Israelites were to worship it. And he felt that his body were so, were so holy that it could not, it, sh- it should be set apart from the rest of the world and guarded by Archangel Michael. How much more, because he spent 40 days on the mountain with God, how much more the womb in which, in which was incarnate, the Logos, that spent nine he spent nine months indwelling her. How fitting and right is it that her body, there is no place on earth where it would be meet or right for her body to rest other than heaven itself. These, this isn't about Moses and this isn't about St. Mary. This is about me. This is about you. This is about that God wants you to tra- transform you into an alien. Somebody tweet that so I can get excommunicated. Right? Right? God wants to transform me and you into agios, into out of this world. That's what God wants. Moses and the bronze serpent. I remember calling up one of my friends who's a missionary. He was a missionary in in, uh, an area that was undergoing civil war at the time. Um, Most of the time he didn't have electricity or running water. And um, most of the time he was, you know, being threatened to be killed. And a lot of children had been orphaned due to the civil war. So he's kind of collecting the children, trying to take care of them, trying to start school, something, a makeshift kind of school for them. He would go like beg the uh, mayor if he could plug his cell phone in to get it charged in the mayor's house things like that. So I remember calling him up once just to ask him how he's doing, see if he's still alive and that kind of thing. And, um, and I was actually really down at the time. And so I asked him, how are you doing this? And so he's telling me about a situation. Then of course, I feel kind of embarrassed to be you know, sad or upset. I'm like, I'm having a bad hair day. This guy's at, his life is at risk 400 times a day. Like, you know I felt kind of you know, awkward Uh, being upset. But he asked me how you're doing. And so I told him, you know, I'm a little bit disappointed or discouraged about this and that and so on. And it seems, and I said this to him, I said, and it seems like the night is just never going to end. And he said something to me. He said to me, look, I want to tell you something. I learned this firsthand. And I told you all about this guy because it has so much more credibility coming from him than coming from me. He said to me, when you look around you and there is no light to be seen anywhere, and you know that like you're not going to survive much longer, then you also have to remember one other thing, that Jesus is the champion of heaven. He himself is the one who rides to battle in Revelation 19. He doesn't send the troops, send the army. He doesn't send somebody off to go and you know fight armageddon and you know rid us of these demons and you know establish the kingdom of heaven forever he himself like we say in the liturgy of saint gregory nor an angel nor an archangel nor a patriarch nor a prophet did he entrust with our salvation but he himself came and was incarnate and he told me we know that jesus will rescue us or we know pardon me we will be rescued But what we have to remember so that we can have joy in these moments of darkness, it is is that it is Jesus himself that will rescue us. So this darkness actually heralds to us, declares to us, that soon you will see him. Not you will see an angel, you'll have some miracle, you'll have some nice warm fuzzy story. No, the love of your life, who have you have loved from day one and has loved you from before you were ever conceived. Before your parents were born, he knew you and he loved you. He himself is coming, riding on his white horse, you know, with truth and faithfulness plastered on his thigh, coming to rescue you. Accept the call to be set apart so you can meet Him. Some of the most encouraging words I've ever received. So the solution is to be set apart. And my friends, this is a lifestyle. It's a decision to be made now, and it's a lifestyle to be lived. And I have more good news for you. The first part of it is this bit by St. Didymus the Blind that we brought up several times, that He Himself, who has called us to this, Also provides the necessary sanctification himself. In the Epiclesis prayer that the priest prays inaudibly during the liturgy, he prays and he says, And we ask you, O Lord our God, we, your unworthy and sinful servants, we worship by the pleasure of your goodness, that your Holy Spirit descend upon us and upon these gifts and purify them, change them, and manifest them as a sanctification of your saints. The priest prays for two miracles to happen. The God who was able to create eyeballs for a man who was born without them. The creator, we ask him to transform this bread and this wine into his genuine body and blood and to transform these, and I'm included in it, Unworthy and sinful servants who worship—the only reason we worship is because, a, because of the pleasure of His goodness, because it gives Him good, because of His goodness it gives Him pleasure—that we unworthy, sinful servants should worship Him. Transform us also, that together the offering and the offerers could manifest, could reveal. What holiness really looks like? What sainthood really looks like? What being set apart really looks like? God Himself is working. When you say, "I commit my life to a life of holiness," and so God, you know, so help me God, you know, this is going to happen. God is going to help me. You are asking for a miracle, and He is committing Himself to do it for you. God will work. With you. Mother Teresa says, Our progress in holiness depends on God and ourselves, on God's grace and our will to obey. All we're asking right now is a will to obey, a will to be holy. The rest is grace from God. You just have to say, Yes. Give me some alienhood, give me some setting apart, give me some holiness. That's the first thing. Joined to that is, a, this has been attributed to a zillion people, St. Augustine ab- among them. Pray as though everything depended on God. Work as though everything depended on you. Because it's certainly a combination of both. And that leads us to our second application point, which is set apart time to pray. Look, in the... In the, in the, 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 the desert fathers in the olden days in the monasteries and so on they wouldn't ask each other how are you how's your health how you doing they would ask each other how is your prayer why because they understood that prayer is the breath of the spirit how long can you hold your breath five seconds 10 seconds 45 seconds two minutes wow you're pretty good three and a half minutes you should be a diver That's how long you can hold your breath for. After that, you pant for air. How about your soul? How about your spirit? How long can your spirit go without prayer before it feels asphyxiated, suffocated? It feels like somebody is strangling it, strangling the life out of it. Prayer is the breath of the spirit. Mother Teresa tells us, prayer is the breath of life of our soul. Holiness is impossible without it. Look, we can't fool ourselves or fool one another or fool anybody by thinking that I can live this life that's set apart by acting a certain way, by doing certain things, but I'm a deacon, but I know hymns, but I make or bond, but I teach Sunday school, but... I yeah, no, <laughs> no, no. This holiness thing, okay, like 95% of it is going to happen or 80% of it, or I don't know, Bruno will tell us more, is going to happen when you close the door of your room and stand before he who is holy. Moses didn't start shining like the sun until he spent 40 days apart from the rest of the world alone with God. It's, it, this is just the starting point. This is where it begins. But this is, has to happen for it to begin. Set apart time to pray. Being set apart, number three, and lastly, is parting ways with evil. So, do a tour of your life, do an inventory of your life, and play that children's game, which of these does not belong? Which of these does not belong? There's some stuff in my life that just doesn't, that just doesn't belong there. and um, I'll talk more about what to do about that stuff in talk three. But for starters, today, tonight, when you stand to pray, when you kneel by your bedside, do an inventory of your day. What happened today? What did I say? Do an inventory of your life. What, what's there that just doesn't belong? It's time to be set apart. It's time to part ways with certain things that are in my life. Mother Teresa says, we must have a real living determination to reach holiness. I will be a saint means I will despoil myself. I'll rid myself of all that is not God. I will strip my heart of all created things. I will live in poverty and detachment. I will renounce my will, my inclinations, my whims and fancies and make myself a willing slave to the will of God. That sounds like a tall order. For sure it does, if you don't know who you're doing it for. How many boyfriends, girlfriends, fiancés, EWE have you seen do the wildest thing for the person that they love? It's, this is at no different in any way, shape, or form. When I find the pearl of great price, I'm willing to sell all to find it, to have it, to lay claim over it, and that it never be taken away from me. Mother Teresa is telling us that I've got to strip away the junk. Oftentimes, when we're seeking to deepen our life with God, we think to ourselves that we need to do something different. I promise you, 90% of what needs to change is a taking away, not an adding on. This is, I know I'm using very simple terms and blah, 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 This is deeply orthodox. This is a very huge distinction between our orthodox understanding of salvation, spirituality, and other understandings. The issue isn't that I need to find God or find myself. Or The issue is I have myself and I have God and I have all of heaven in my heart. But I also have a whole lot of other junk in there that is making it very hard for me to see what's precious from what's not. So what I need to do is take out the garbage, right? What I need to do is to detach myself from my will, my inclinations, my whims, my fancies, everything that feeds myself, my ego, my person. So in conclusion, wrapping it all up, holiness is being set apart. Holiness is an imperative. It's urgent and it is achievable. Without holiness, no one will see God. He himself will help us. He himself will help us. Just set apart some time to pray, do an inventory of your life, and be convicted in your heart to set, be set apart and to part ways with evil. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.